to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, how's it going? It's, it's going well. The season's over, the regular season. I know. <laughs> yeah, it uh, happened really fast, but has it not meant it is any less of a busy week? Uh, in Miami world because it was signing day. Um, and this is really the signing day now. I know national signing day is not till February, but this is the signing day. And um, we're going to talk about the North Carolina game probably at the end here, but doesn't that game feel like it was like a year ago now? It does. Did, like, did how I, is that just Saturday? Honestly, <laughs> honestly, this whole month, what a, what a weird month for Miami. Yeah, Going uh, from... It yeah. feels like... I, I was I was thinking, man, you know, the season, a lot of times at the end of a season, at the end of a regular season, I think to myself, it went so fast, and yet it went so slow, but this one just did not go fast, I don't think. What about you? Uh, yeah, not really. It was, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't, it's kind of, it's kind of like the whole year, like, when it's crazy, we're in December already and the season's over, but also, like, the start of the season feels like it was a million years ago. Um, but let, let's let's talk about some let's talk some recruiting because that's the big story of the week. That's what I think everyone uh, is happy went well, so they don't have to think about the UNC game anymore. Um, the the fan base, uh, you know, the, the shift in emotions is natural given how bad Saturday was and how good Wednesday was. Um, and you know, I think you would grade that out as basically an A, right? I mean, they go they obviously sign all twenty committed players. Um, and, and that alone, I think, put Miami with the, the number 11 class in the 24 composite rankings. Um, and then uh, you add Jake Garcia to the mix, the quarterback that Miami has wanted for literally years at this point. Um, and really made a late, you know, made a late rally to get him. He just decommitted from USC earlier this month. So it came together late. I, I think the only thing keeping it from being an A-plus is they didn't get you would have liked to see them probably get one of those cornerbacks they liked. Um, that's obviously uh, still waiting for the national, you know, the, the normal February signing period to, to add at that position. But Wednesday went, other than that, about as well as I think any Miami fan realistically could have hoped. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, they moved up. They moved. They moved yeah, they're at 10, I think, now with the Garcia edition. I think they're nine and two of them, and mm-hmm. then they moved up to ten and the other. So yeah, the Garcia they, one pushed uh, them in the top ten, which we said when we said a potential top ten class, we were all looking at what Garcia, who's like a top fifty overall guy in the country, would do. Uh, to I, I liked Manny after the, it happened. The, the GIF he tweeted was a cherry on top of an ice cream sundae, and that was, that was the a, you know it's cliche, but that was the perfect way to sum up uh, that late you know a late commitment. It didn't come in until after seven o'clock, which is pretty late for a national signing day announcement. Yeah, it was, it was very late. And, um, and I said, I said in my story, I said about Manny Diaz tweeting the image of a hand gingerly placing a cherry on top of an ice cream sundae. I said that no words could beat that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's true. So what, what stood out to you from the day? Do you want to talk a little bit more about the quarterback? What do just, you obviously, you know, the people who follow recruiting really closely, there weren't any surprises necessarily, but it was no, just, I mean, you know, if they finished off this really good class and, you know, obviously they were good this season, uh, you know, one eight and two, that's a pretty good year, no matter how it ended. Um, but, 
you know, they, I, I tweeted today, I, I, every year I'd go through and see where all the four and five star guys from Florida landed. Um, mm-hmm. And this year, Miami got 11 of those guys. No one else got more than five. So far, um, there's still a couple unsigned guys, and I think Florida will add a couple of them. But, I mean... But what, what stood out to me uh, was, was uh, first, that there were, like, as Manny said, there was no drama. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, every year somebody flips. Or 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 they lose somebody, or we find out the last second some weird thing happens, or and, and none of that, man. They they had those guys secured, um, and even even Jake Garcia. Wait, it wasn't even know? like there was like last year the Avante Williams thing was drama, but it was good for Miami. Even the Jake Garcia, which was technically an announcement, it had kind of been a foregone conclusion, and clearly Miami has known for quite a while they had him locked up. Yeah, but you know what? No, I asked uh, Manny. Um, I asked Manny yesterday. You know, do you, it was like two o'clock, and I said when we talked to him it was before Jake, and I said, "How? You know, do you do you get nervous?" I, I said, "I know there's, you know, there might be some people out there, and you're not allowed to name them, but is it is it very nerve wracking?" Uh, you know, to wait, even if you think you know. And he said it's it's nerve wracking. It's nerve wracking, even if a kid tells us every single day <laughs> of his life, basically, that he's coming to us until mm-hmm. you know we've won that kid. Until it's official, it's nerve wracking. Um, but I think it was really impressive what you have did, and I I love that. Um, it's a very uh, it's a diverse class. Um, split into, you know, 10 offense, 10 defense, and then they've got the kicker, Borgales. Yep. Um, and um, I know there's some, obviously, you don't get everything, and they kind of admitted that in the class. I mean, I know they need more cornerbacks, um, but it's, it's a, you know, they got three O-linemen, they got three four-star wide receivers, a couple tight ends that are supposed to be good, Um they got two five-star kids on defense, which is great. The, the James Williams safety, right, and the Leonard Taylor, yeah. who you love. Two potential uh, day one starters. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess so, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously it depends who leaves and I stuff. You, but, yeah, those guys are really good. James Williams, man, he – I mean, I, supposedly, obviously, they're both really great. You're not a five-star unless you're really good. Although I've seen five-stars not – yeah, not yeah. always great at Miami, but uh, Manny was just gushing about James Williams. By the way, yeah, like he he definitely that's his his guy. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it might have been Coach Bonda tweeted this story, um, just of like the first time he saw him. Basically, James Williams, um, he was a freshman. He played his freshman year at Pace um, for for Joe Zacchio. He was kind of a you know legendary high school coaching figure down here in South Florida, you know, played at Miami Central. So a guy who, like, knows South Florida football pretty much as well as anyone. Um, he's, like, a real lifer who's, like, been down here since even before. Florida was, like, the hotbed. And I just remember anytime – if you would go out to one of his practices freshman year before James had even, like, done anything, he would just point at him and be like, Sean Taylor. That guy is Sean Taylor. And – it's kind of been the defining comparison for him in a lot of ways. Obviously, you know, it's hard to compare anyone to that. There are things you look at, like, where, you know, 
he's huge, and Sean Taylor was a huge safety, and he's you know got that like athleticism, ball hawking knack. Um, but it, I mean, it just speaks to like this is a kid that Miami has won. He's, if you would uh, four years ago, if you would ask Miami coaches to say who's the one guy you want in the class of 2021, they would have. I'm sure they would have said him. And um, I mean, you can see why he's been a, a superstar everywhere he's been. He's playing for a state championship this weekend. Um, it's easy to see why Manny loves him because he's, you know, he's got that. He's first of all, as Manny I think noted, like he is a Miami guy. You know, grew up rooting for Miami um, in a way that you know a lot of kids don't necessarily, um, especially kids who are you know this this class are kids born in like 2002. They don't remember the glory days at all. Um, but you know, you can see he's got that that Miami attitude, and I'm sure that's what Manny loves about him, um, kind of above all else. And the fact that ever since James committed, uh, I want to say like in May or, or June, something like that, like he hasn't wavered at all, and he's been, you know, he, every time I would talk to him and we would ask like, what, you know, who are you trying to get in this class? He'd be like, I'm texting Jake Garcia every day. Like he's, you know, he's kind of the, already the leader um, of this class, and that's an important thing to kind of find, I think. In recruiting classes, you find the guys who are going to end up being kind of um, the vocal leaders, the the leaders of the team going forward. And um, I think James is a pretty natural guy to, to kind of be the extension of Manny's, you know, the the culture that he's trying to uh, implement. Yeah, I... And then he's also just really freaking good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him play, actually. I love love when you get the great safeties. He's so big, but they said yeah. he can play safety. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. would it shock me if he winds up as, like, a striker or something? Like, no. Um, but, I mean, he, like, you know, he plays at American Heritage. He plays for Patrick Sertan right now, who's you know, obviously right. knows a thing or two about defensive backs. <laughs> and, like, he swears that James is a safety. Like, he, you know, he'll play him, you know, if they're playing a team that runs a ton – He'll play outside linebacker. He'll play in the box. That's kind of like the what makes him great is that you know versatility. Um, but you know he also, for the most part, he is their free safety. He is the ball hawk. He's you know he's lost probably fifteen or twenty pounds like since last season. Like he's slimmed down to get faster. He's really committed to being, um, being a safety. And obviously, you know, there's worse people to learn that from uh, than Pat Sertan. Yeah, I, I'm, I, this class is really, it gets you pumped up. I know. Uh, oh, reading about all these guys, you've seen them all. I really haven't seen them other than like going through videos. Yeah. But that's kind of hard. That's very difficult. So, um, yeah, I just a uh, very impressive, very impressive job Manny has done. So I, I'm trying to think what else I'm, I mean, just, um, you know, just again, the also the culture kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something they kind of hit on in this class. Yeah, like they did last class. Yeah. You know, yeah. I said stuck together, and the guys uh, from this 2020 class, um, you know, help recruit these new guys. Yeah. I mean, they were big, big spokesmen, and, and now with each year that Manny's been there, it's gotten more like that, you know? It never used to be like that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like I, I uh, wrote a story about Leonard Taylor this week, who's the other five-star in the class, defensive tackle from, from Palmetto. 
Um, and he is, he, you know, his freshman year, he played at South Dade. So he was teammates with DJ Ivy. And, you know, he's kind of from the, he's from like Richmond Heights, kind of from that down South area where, you know, he knew like Mark Pope and D Wiggins. He, he played at South Ridge for a year too. So, you know, he knew right. all those South Ridge guys and, you know, he would talk about like, when I would talk to him, he would be like, that's, you know, he, those guys speak well about the program. And I don't know if that would have been the case two years ago, um, where you would have kind of gotten these guys internally who feel good about the direction. It was always something that struck me, you know, last year, uh, I remember Don Chaney specifically, um, you know, last year was not good, right? They were six and six when the early signing period came in. They had lost to FIU. They had lost to Duke. They, you know, they were about to lose to Louisiana Tech. And right. I remember talking to, to Don Chaney and his dad before signing day, um, and they kept talking about how they believe in, like, what Manny Diaz is doing, the culture, all that. Um, and, you know, obviously, if, if they had gone 6-6 six and six again this year, would people have, you know, would guys have bailed on this class? It's possible. I guess it wouldn't have been 6-6. Six and 5-5. Six, five and five. Uh, It's yeah, possible. They, but, I'm sure there would be some, but, uh, Yeah, there would. Um, but, but it speaks to the fact that, you know, there's something internal. And we obviously can kind of see it, you know, just based on the results on the field. There is something that behind the scenes it is improving. I think or improved from, you know, basically the end of the Mark Richt era. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. No doubt. I mean, no doubt. But, you know, in a way, they're, I mean, they, they, they only have two losses. And though fans um, are usually more knee-jerk, you know, freak out, this last game was so bad, you know, that they freak out and stuff. But um, it's good that it was just one game, and that signing day is before the yeah. ball. <laughs> uh, that's my opinion. I mean, I do think that, like, um, today we talked to uh, recruiting director David Cooney. You, you, you were on that, yeah. uh, on that call, and, uh, and director of player personnel Andy Vaughn. And um, I guess... Uh, Cooney was asked about Leonard Taylor mm-hmm. and about one point last year when Miami lost to FIU or when they had that bad run at the end of the season, he was fed up and said, I, I can't play for a team yeah. that loses to FIU. And, and uh, so he, he kind of, he said he's known him for years and he had to, you know, talk him down and say to him, Hey man, you, you need to be the one to make the change, you know, to help. Yeah the change uh in this program and um you know don't be short-sighted and 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 then he said he said he knows anyway that he his that he's a mama's boy he wouldn't left but but um i think that's what they're trying to tell these kids you be the change you be which is the same you know i've been covering the team for so many years um so many years and after they were uh, you know, after they were in trouble with the NCAA, right. lost a lot of scholarships in the in mid-90s, actually, mm-hmm. or, you know, 95 to 97 or whatever. Guys like, uh, you know, like this, all these star guys that ended up, after that winning the national title, a couple of years later, they came into Dan Morgan's and 
Santana Moss. Santana Moss. Is yeah, that was when they were using the scout, the track team to like sneak guys onto the roster, right? <laughs> yeah, they yeah. Well, they came in to to be the be the change. Yeah. They they wanted to bring the program back. They really were very prideful about that. Yeah. And and they did. I mean, I you know. Yeah, and I think we talked about James Williams. Like, I think that is true very much of him as a guy who who cares about cares a lot about the history of the program. And you know, Khalil Brantley at um, uh, Northwestern, who's one of the three kids coming from Northwestern, um, not the highest ranked kid in the class, but it, I, he's one of the earliest guys to commit and has been kind of very vocal about you know he he's a, another guy who's just like a lifelong Hurricanes fan. Um, you know, so there are there are guys like that certainly in the class, and then I mean, obviously, I think the the pandemic certainly hurt my hit, helped Miami also, um, oh. but and not in not necessarily just because like these kids couldn't take visits. Um, I mean, and that's part of it, obviously. Yeah. Oh. But it is it's you know Miami is well positioned to to work. It plays to their strengths, basically. You know, is. I, I, you know what, David? I, you know, Andy Vaughn made a really good point today uh, to me, and I and I think he was on the radio earlier today, saying that it, in one way it did kind of help them in that yeah. all these great local players couldn't go out and take their trips, and yeah. well, there, the a lot thing of is... them, their parents, and they wanted to, you know, it was very they yeah. really needed to wanted to be near home, but also. When these kids come to, you know, go to some of these places, like, come on, like Alabama. Uh, right. It's know. hard to beat the thrill of going to, like, an Alabama-Auburn game when you've also probably been to a million, like, crappy Miami-Virginia noon kickoffs with no one in the crowd. Like, Miami, we all know Miami can get up and have a great game day atmosphere when, you know, when Notre Dame comes to town or, you know, when Florida State is in town and it's a night game. And we know Miami's atmosphere kind of sucks for a noon kickoff against two and seven Duke or whatever. Um, right, but it's the same is true for everyone to varying degrees. But you know, but then these kids they only take visits for the big games, right? You're not you don't go to watch Alabama kick the crap out of like UT Chattanooga with like no one in the crowd. Like right, it, I, it, so you you don't get that single visit rush, and that helps Miami. It helps my, but it's, I'm not even just, even though you're absolutely right that that is true, the atmosphere game day, okay, but, I mean, I wasn't even necessarily talking about that because on game day, it is kind of cool. Miami has a pro place in a NFL stadium yeah. that's a really nice NFL stadium and upgraded and, and all that, so it's really, it's really nice, but... The facilities I'm talking about, oh, yeah. you know, Definitely. Alabama, whatever. Yeah. Miami's caught up a little bit, but it's a long way to go. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if they've caught up. I mean, Miami has nice facilities, but it's definitely more small. T- when you're talking about like the the premier program, yeah, Alabama, Georgia, I mean, I Michigan, I've never, Penn State. Personally, I've been to a lot of programs and stadiums and and college campuses, but I've never been to Alabama. And, uh, I, I mean, I heard that their facilities are just like, yeah. you know, drop dead, whatever. I, so, and you know an 18-year-old kid is going to be swayed by that. I understand that. Yeah. And the other thing that plays into Miami's benefit from this is, 
and it's something they've talked the the coaches we've talked to over the last couple of days have, have talked about a lot. It's just how early they build those relationships. It's the benefit of being in South Florida that you know oh, yeah. the coach, even the coaches at Florida, like they don't know the youth coaches down here like that, right? Like they're not just they, they, you know Miami's known about. They offered Lawrence Seymour before he ever played a game in high school because he showed up at like a camp as an eighth grader. Exactly. And was awesome. <laughs> and was awesome. And like, you know, the, you can't do that if it's not a kid in your hometown, basically. Like, right. you I just agree. don't have that kind of, like, knowledge. You don't have that kind of access. So, like, they've known, you know, they've had a relationship with a guy like James Williams or Leonard Taylor. They were the first to offer him before, you know, when he was just, you know, barely starting playing varsity because – um, you know, David Cooney was the former offensive coordinator at Southridge and knew about him. And uh, Coach Bonda, Ephraim Bonda, who, you know, really knows the kind of like southern Miami-Dade County, uh, you know, knew about him as a youth player a little bit and saw him at a JV practice at South Dade. Like most schools just can't do that in a place like South Florida. And that just helps Miami. These kids have all been on campus t- you know, these kids, these South Florida kids that Miami loses have pretty much always taken more visits to Miami than anywhere else. But now, the, obviously, the difference is even more exaggerated, where they maybe didn't even get to take a visit to some other place they wanted to see. But they've been to Miami half a dozen times for camps and stuff like that. Right, and the other – right, and there's a huge comfort level. The other – the players, the current players uh, kind of befriend them. And they're, you know, and take them under their wings and they're, they're buddies and they feel right at home. They feel comfortable. And I think Manny, uh, yeah, Manny cultivates that. And as he uses the word relentless, which is true, I mean, you know, just going after kids no matter how much you think they're going to go to your school, uh, he just stays after them. He stays mm-hmm. after them and after, and even if, they're somewhere else. If he wants them, he he doesn't give up. Yeah. Any other so, names that popped out to you yesterday that maybe uh, Manny was really high on or just that you, I don't know, as names were coming in and you were looking at the little things Miami was tweeting about them yeah. that kind of like really stood out to you? Um, I Well, it, everybody's talking about the receivers who, yep. again, you know, uh, um, I'm, I'm looking here – Obviously, obviously, we just talked a lot about the two five stars. They didn't yeah. talk too much, I don't think, about the offensive linemen. Um, the tight ends. There's a tight end. There's one. Is it Elijah? Elijah Arroyo, Arroyo from Texas, who's really having like a stupid him. senior season. Yeah, he said he really talked about him very glowingly. Yeah. Yeah, they think they got kind of a steal with him. He's a guy, he didn't start playing tight end until his junior year. He was like a quarterback on JV until then. Um, but, he lived in Miami too, they said. Didn't yeah, he, he he's originally from Miami, like grew up down here, then went, lived in Mexico for a little bit, I think like in middle school, um, and then wound up in Texas. And actually, um, Rhett Lashley offered him when he was at SMU. So there was like a relationship there, and he was one of the first guys that Miami offered after Lashley got to uh, Miami. So yeah, he sounds he sounds very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, 
Tyler Johnson. I love him already. I, I mean, I've talked to him just that you know in the past, but just just the idea that yeah, he's, he's Jaquan LeBron. He's really good too. I mean, I haven't seen him play a ton this year. I think I only saw him play once uh, at the start of the season. He's at Killian now. He was at South Dade last year. Like, we made him a first-team all-county guy. He was really, really good. More as, like, an edge rusher than, like, a, a linebacker. But yeah. um, he was really good. And I know, you know, I've you know, talked to coach like I've talked to coaches about him who think that he is, like, one of the most underrated guys down here. He's, you know, he, he's not on Twitter. Like, he doesn't have a ton of videos on Huddle. Like, he's just not a guy that is, he's really quiet. Like, he's just not a guy who kind of puts himself out there a lot. But he's, I think, really right. underrated. Jaquan Johnson, uh, I mean, he became, you know, but he, but Jaquan Johnson also was kind of understated. Yeah. I mean, he, he you know, he wasn't like a, a big ego guy at all. Uh, so, I, you know, maybe it's just in the family, you know, kind of a, kind of a humble, um, yeah. and you could never find a guy more loyal than Jaquan Johnson yeah. and more and more dedicated and hardworking, really. I, I just uh, I just remember meeting him though during one of the I think it's when they were like when they have the pro day mm-hmm. and they had it inside the um, in inside the indoor facility. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yep. Remember that? And I thought uh, I thought that um, Tyler. I don't know. Maybe it was me. He seemed kind of small to me then, and he's a linebacker. So yeah, maybe yeah he was a soft. I think he was a sophomore then. Um, yeah. So he's he's bigger now. I mean, I saw him. I talked to him earlier this year, um, and he's he's definitely like looks like a high school linebacker. Um, Interesting. Yeah, but I just a good feeling all the way around about this class, and of course, Andres Borgales. You know. Yeah. He went, I think, seven for seven on touchbacks in the state championship yesterday. They, they doesn't have to kick field goals because Shabanyat uh, scores like fifty a game and just goes for goes for it all the time. I love. I just love it. I just saw the whole thing. I just can't say baby faced anymore. <laughs> I keep saying that in my story is baby face. I, I, I. How do you not love the Borgales brothers? You know. Yeah. So uh, I. You know, I hope he's as good as Jose because Jose is lights out good. Yeah, so I'd say there's still a couple couple obvious needs for Miami the rest of the way. They need some defensive backs. They've been pretty open that they want at least one, probably two of those. Uh, they missed out on St. Thomas Aquinas' Jaden McBurrows and a couple other guys uh, right. on Wednesday. Um, I think Terrion Arnold probably will be their top target. At the high school level, although he left Miami out of a top five, uh, I think last month. Obviously, you know, top fives aren't binding. You can always work your way back in. Um, they'll also, I would guess, be in on Tavarish Dawson from uh, Lehigh, um, who's committed to Auburn um, but did not sign. Obviously, mm-hmm. after Gus Malzahn was fired, um, I think that'll be a case for there will be some Auburn guys out there. I haven't looked at their recruiting class, but I would, you know, there will be guys that. Schools could try to jump on there. Um, I think Portal's an option probably there, too. Uh, they got three spots left, so I, I think they want two corners and then one offensive lineman. I actually talked to Austin Barber yesterday, who's the tackle they offered a few weeks back. Uh, he won a state championship uh, with Trinity Christian Academy up in Jacksonville. Um, you know, he sounds really high on Miami, and they're definitely like – 
you know, if like Florida offered or something, like it would get interesting, but Miami's by far like kind of his marquee offer right now. Um, and yeah, I feel pretty good about the spot Miami is in with him. Um, and he, I only talked to him for a couple of minutes, but he seems like the kind of high character guy and all that they want. And he is huge. He's like legit six, seven. So he's got the size too. Wow. That's uh that's good news. Yeah. They definitely need, they need to stack up the alignment. Yeah. I think. Yeah. That's, I think the wide receivers have gotten a lot of the attention. Um, and I, I think especially because like these guys were all kind of having great seasons as the wide receivers were struggling at Miami. And then obviously the wide receivers kind of turned it around down the stretch. So it doesn't feel quite as pressing. It doesn't feel like Romello Brinson needs to come in and be the number one receiver anymore. If like Mike right. Harley comes back, um, those guys are all really good. And Brashard Smith is a guy who's just like, not like anyone they have on the roster. You know, he's got some of that, like, um, you know, he's like a gadget type guy who's, you know, he can play some running back and play and just super fast can play some like a Percy Harvin kind of type of guy. And obviously that fits with like some, a lot of what Rhett really did at Auburn. He always liked to have kind of guys like that. Um, uh-huh. So that's interesting. But the offensive line, you, I think you're right. It's kind of like flown under the radar. Um, Lawrence Seymour has just been committed forever. And he's, you know, he's small for a guard. He's like six foot six one. Um, but has been a starting offensive lineman of Miami Central since his freshman year. Like, that's pretty good. Um, I think Ryan Rodriguez is, like, a potential, like, plug-and-play center. Um, And as Miami noted to him when they were recruiting him, uh, every national championship team they have had is at a starting offensive lineman from Columbus. So, uh, good track record there. Um, And then Michael McLaughlin, who's uh, a guy who was a tight end up until his junior year at Stoneman Douglas last year. Um, is just like super high upside, six seven, close to three hundred pounds. Obviously, pretty athletic because he was a tight end. Um, but I, I think that's an underrated little piece of this class. Um, and the offensive line got better, obviously, this year. But just getting as many pieces in there—it's something we've talked about. Just like you know, they've in the past they've had to rush guys. That they're going to have a lot of guys competing, and you're not going to feel like they're just playing guys because they need to have a body somewhere. And they need guy. I mean, with De'Aaron King as quarterback, he's so mobile um, that he helped the O line. Right. And if um, he's gone, it changes things a lot. With Garcia, I look at I Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, it. I mean, I. It's hard to believe Garcia would come in and you know the first year or whatever. Take, you know, if if Derek leaves, um, but. Uh, you, you you definitely need uh, some good offensive line. Yeah. That's all. I hope those guys are. All right, uh, let's wrap up with something uh, less fun for Miami fans. Uh, the North Carolina game. That was pretty bad. It was. Uh, it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was very bad. Very bad. <laughs> very shockingly, shockingly bad. And uh, kind of like, I don't know, weird. Kind of weird. Guys just on defense just almost like, oh, someone's running from the other team. I'll just fall down now and let them run over me. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. They were just, uh, yeah. Uh, they 
just it felt I, at one point it felt like they were playing with like nine guys on defense. Like just there were gigantic holes and like no one plugging them. Um, yeah, really it was weird concerning. Stuff. And this is two years in a row where the defense has just gotten schooled by Mac Brown and, and North Carolina. So clearly he's got the number. This defense's number right now. Um, and that. And that's a problem because those are the two teams that are going to be competing theoretically for coastal supremacy uh, yeah, moving forward. Because North Carolina put together a really good recruiting class too. Yeah, very good. It was just, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was more than. It was more than I think. It, it was more than Mac Brown. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Getting their number, I, I Miami just didn't even. They didn't even look like their brains were in the game at all. It was all. the first time it kind of felt like 2019 again, right? Yes. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It was, you know, they didn't – and they've had some games where they've started slow. Like, I mean, they were down pretty big against NC State. They were down against Virginia Tech. Um, you know, even the Duke game, what they fumbled in the first like, – they took them a while to get going before they, like, pummeled Duke. Um, but, you know, they started slow against UNC and just never – and you could, like, the, the energy was drained out of them in a way yeah, that we just have Duke, not seen this year. Yeah, it was weird. The Duke game I understood because – Yeah, they hadn't played in two, three weeks, basically. In, in yeah. two, almost three weeks, actually, it was. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then but then they were, they were engaged into it, just like Manny said when they lost to Clemson um, – Yes, they lost. They got beat badly, but they were engaged. That was the perfect word. They were, they were trying at least. Yeah, they were, the game was a like a ten point game at halftime, and you know, Derek had that crazy run in the second half, and you know, Brevin Jordan gets hurt in that game. So you know, obviously he's going hard still. Like, yeah, North Carolina. It was just it was over in a quarter, basically. And I, and yeah, and they knew it. And it's like, I've seen that in other sports a lot. They just quit. They really just quit. Yeah. They just quit. I know, like, there's a lot of people, like, calling for Blake Baker and all that kind of this week. And that's, you know, dessert. You know, when you have when you give up the most yards ever uh, in Miami history, like, you deserve yeah. to be under the microscope like that. And I, I think I saw last time that happened, the UCLA game um, in, what, what did you say that was? Like, 99, 98? The defensive coordinator wound up getting fired that year. So, like, it's not crazy. You know, Miami fans have added on social media, but I, I think you're right that it's. it felt to me more about this culture that they have said so much has changed. Um, I think we've mostly seen had been changed this year. It was kind of the one regression back to the old Miami. Um, yeah, but and that is know- as concerned. That is more concerning the fact that the defense just got, got out-schemed or whatever and – looked unprepared and, and didn't tackle well. Like just the fact that it felt mental more than, than anything. Like they felt lost in, in a way that just that's inexcusable like, at this point. Yeah. Like they were in the ozone. I, I totally agree. It was, it was totally mental. I mean, they, yeah, it was physical cause they kind of stopped playing, but they, I don't know where the hell their heads were at. Yeah. And yes, I agree. And I, you know, people wanted Manny fired. I mean, that's crazy. I, that's I don't crazy. know. I mean, they finished eight and two, and I, yeah, I, I mean, I think you know they're eight and two, and that the loss basically exposed every problem this team had. Right? Like, 
the secondary got burned a bunch of times um, for for really long passes. But there was an eighty-seven yard and a fifty-plus yard. Um, so you know the the depth of the secondary without blades out was tested and, and did not pass. And the linebackers have obviously you know been a major question mark all year. Um, and I mean when when a team runs like that for those chunk yards. That's on the linebackers a lot of times, um, and obviously they were tested by the best uh, pair of running backs they faced all year, and they failed. Um, you know the defensive line. You know I think Jalen Phillips still had a, and Quincy Roche still put up some numbers. Um, ultimately, it didn't really matter, but you know those were the, the question marks, right? It was on defense there were question marks in the secondary, and at linebacker, um, and. They didn't pass basically this game. Um, right. and, you know the recruiting class is great. Obviously, that's part of why people are kind of still worried about the lack of corners in the class. Um, and, and yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, your thoughts about linebacker because yeah, it's interesting. That's not a spot where they got yeah. any of their like studs, right? And the, yeah, another exactly. four or five star guys were linebackers. Um, right. I'm a little less worried about linebacker because at least there's depth there, right? Like, even if Zach leaves, which it kind of looks like he's going to because he's going to play in that bowl, that showcase bowl, um, you know, you've got Bradley Jennings probably coming back. I know he had a pretty rough year as a first-year starter, but, you know, veteran, whatever. He had a rough game. He had a rough, rough, rough game last game. Rough enough that it made me wonder, Right, but you got him. He's a senior. Cool. Wayman Steed probably coming back. Another senior. Cool. Um, right. Then you've got, you know, Corey Flagg, who definitely flashed. You've got Sam Brooks, who has flashed at times. Uh, you've got Tyreek Austin Cave, who did not play a lot, but as a guy, you know, I was pretty high on in high school. Um, was a freshman. High upside, really fast. Cool. You've got Avery Huff, who was a guy I loved in high school and just hasn't quite, like, gotten the opportunity yet. Right. Really good athlete. Whatever. You've got a lot of bodies there, is basically what I'm saying. And then you throw in, you know, Tyler Johnson. Um, who, again, I, like I said, I think the coaching staff is really high on him. Um, Deshaun Troutman, uh, who I will see again this weekend, um, who is, you know, a hundred tackle type middle linebacker, um, at a really good high school program. Um, you know, his coach basically like swears by him as super underrated. So, you know, they're, they're at least getting bodies in there. The problem is that cornerback, um, even if, you know, Al comes back fully healthy from, you know, his, he's obviously dealing with myocarditis, that's five guys there. Plus, you throw in Malik Curtis, um, who has not necessarily played a ton of cornerback in high school. I'd say it's fair to compare him to Marcus Clark, who I actually think was ultimately kind of a pleasant surprise. Obviously, an interception against Duke. Um, but that's only six guys. And, like, uh, do you feel great about any of them? I feel pretty good about Corey Couch. Um, yeah. But beyond that... Feel good about him. Very good. Beyond that, and that's partially because he hasn't played a ton. Like you know, there were times we felt really good about Al Blades, and then you just play a lot, you get thrown out a lot, you get beat sometimes. I don't feel great about necessarily any one of those guys being like a lockdown number one cornerback who's going to play in the NFL one day. Um, yep, great. But they're going to have to. That's. What, I mean, they're going to have to go after that next year. You said they only have three spots left. Uh, yeah. And 
And I think linebackers too, like we said next yeah. year. Yeah, um, linebacker will be interesting. I think you know, cornerback they feel a pressing need there, right? Like they know they've got vets there who are not doing, not getting the job done. They need to just get bodies in there. Linebacker, they're still young there, right? Like this was always kind of supposed to be a transition year at linebacker, where you were gonna have Zach as like kind of his last hurrah. You were gonna probably get you know either Brandon Jennings or, or Sam Brooks in there. Um, and then all these young guys are kind of developing behind them. Um, so I, I feel a little bit better about the personnel there just because I expected this to be a, you know, a down year at the position. You know, that happens in college football unless you're Alabama or Clemson, basically. Um, the secondary, you know, there were vets there that had issues throughout the year, um, I, let's say. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts there? Well, Do you want to no, talk? I, well, they got a bowl bowl selection coming up. What are you expecting? Final, we got to wrap this up, but my, yeah, my final really thought is, um, yeah, my final thought is, I wonder if they'll play in Orlando in the Cheez It Bowl or uh, or Saint, oh, not Saint Jacksonville, Bay, Jacksonville, right in the Gator, the Gator, the bowl. Gator bowl. Yeah. I don't know. Either Could way, it's there. you know a good. It's going to be, I think, a pretty telling game in a lot of ways. Um, Very telling. In a way that sometimes, you know, I know people care a lot about winning bowl games. But it is, like, it's usually kind of its own standalone thing, right? Because you haven't, you know, you've had finals in the middle of it. You've, I guess they're taking a full week off of practice right now. So they are simulating that part of it at least. Right? Or did they? I think they took this week off. Or at least a couple days off this week. They did, yeah, they did. They did before the Duke game, I think. Um, yeah, they're gonna give. I, I think, think it's I think they important. had this week off, so you still have that. But like, we are basically, you know, we there there are regular season games this weekend, and then there are bowl games like three days later. So it's not your normal like long weird bowl layoff. Like Miami's gonna get right into it against. Um, yeah, but it's a really you know against a good Big Twelve team or a good what is Gator Bowl an SEC team would they play? Yes, and it still feels like uh, it still feels like a million years now that they're not playing this week. I, um, I personally think the bowl games are really important. I do, and I and and the coaches always. I'm sure Manny is super nervous. <laughs> I, I seriously about. I mean, because this this program just just in modern times or yeah, they've been even, terrible in bowl games. But yeah, I, I'm more just like, this is, you know, they've played two good, uh, three good teams, I guess. NC State ended up being pretty good. But the two best teams they played this year, they got killed by. And whoever they play in the bowl game, there's a chance that's the third best team they play all year. Uh, you got to show up, right? You got yeah, to show up. They don't, they don't, I don't know, show up. I, it's, maybe it's the, I, you know, you always talk about the culture, but I, I don't, I don't know. Like, they, maybe they just have a little bit too much fun. These guys, I don't know, but I know in the recent past they have. Yeah. And I, you know, maybe they have a little bit too much fun. This is going to be way different with the pandemic. Yeah, okay? they, yeah I'm sure they're not going to have their big, like, you know, they usually do something stupid like the night before. Yeah. I think they'll go out to a place and, and they'll have box lunches or whatever. Really, it's going to yeah. be the same thing. As a season, then they're going to play the game. The question is, can they, can they remain, can they remain focused? Yeah. Can they, 
you know, p- preparing, or is it going to be like where they go through the motion, they go through the motions, and you think they're they're fine, and they're really not. <laughs> yeah. You know. So. Yep. They need a good guy to give us give a uh, give a pep talk. <laughs> yeah. The night before. Well, you would hope all these guys who might be playing their last game, you know, if it's Eric or Jalen Phillips or whatever, like, you know, they'll, hopefully they they can kind of set the tone. Um. All right, let's finish there. Uh, you can follow Susan on Twitter at smillerdegnan. Uh, she had pretty much all of your signing day coverage because uh, I've been up here at um, state champion, state football championships. Uh, I think if you look at the the live blog we did, I don't know what the headline you have on that right now. Um, basically, that's a good summation of what happened on signing day and a good rundown of who all these guys in this class are. Um, and then uh, the story you wrote Thursday um, with – uh, David Cooney and uh, Andy Vaughn talking about um, Jake Garcia is a good summation of, of why that is a big addition and why they're pretty pretty juiced about that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at dbwilson2. Um, I'm up at state championships, like I said, this weekend. So if you are interested to see how our six high school teams in the state titles are doing, uh, you can follow me there. I also wrote about Leonard Taylor this week. Um, if you want to find out more about the five-star defensive tackle that Miami added in this class. Um, So thanks, as always, for listening, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Yeah, we will. I'm sure there will be more news, so stay tuned.